And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to Fastened Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby. Here in the studio with me, Molly Mayo, my co-host. Hello. So we're going to be going into Proverbs. And folks, this is one of my favorite um, portions of the Bible. I've been studying this for several years now. I worked on it for my dissertation. Come to find out that there are 12 lessons from Proverbs 1 to Proverbs 9, 12 wisdom lessons. Uh, this is a story that is, it, you know, from ground level, you know, what you might think this is teaching is completely different. These, mm-hmm. This is a almost like a bedtime story of a father teaching his son oh, these 12 lessons. And it starts with kind of like an elementary approach, chapters 1 through 3, and then chapters 4 and 5 are kind of like junior high, and then chapters 6 through 9 are kind of like high school, and or chapter 9 is kind of like graduation. You know, it's like that's where the epic battle between wisdom and folly occurs. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just set this up, Molly, okay. and, our, and so our listeners can just get a picture of the intensity of this. Well, this has been your life's work for a long time now, so. Yeah, the last 10 years at least. There's so much more to this content than just it's an, a little overview. It's powerful. Yeah. Um, ch- chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 is the introduction. And we're going to spend a significant time in the introduction. We're going to go there shortly. But then after that, he gives the very first lesson, the wisdom lesson. And mm-hmm. it's one of the most important lessons for every child. If a child does not get this first lesson, mm-hmm. this child will fail throughout the rest of his life. He'll fail in his marriage. He'll fail in his business. He'll fail in every area if he doesn't get this first one right. So we're going to talk about what that first a wisdom lesson is. The second wisdom lesson is the second most important lesson. If he fails that lesson, it'll ruin his life forever. He'll he'll um, probably end up doing a lot of immoral things, probably do a lot of things at very selfish reasons. Mm. The third one is the third most important lesson, and we're going to spend a lot of time on the third one because the third one, if you don't get that one right, then you're going to maintain, you're going to be a very prideful person for the rest of your life if you <laughs> don't get the third one. And then... Uh, Fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh ones, whew, I'll just give the, the, the folks just here, – here's just a, a taste of it. You ready? Ready. Fo- folly comes in full um, intensity. She's good. She comes in disguise looking like wisdom. Lady Wisdom is speaking from the, you know, from the tops of the, of the city streets. She's in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. She's crying out for people to listen to her. You know, listen to me. Listen to me. Um, turn to me. Um, folly does the exact same thing. Only folly, mm-hmm. what she offers is a substitute for what wisdom offers. And the substitute that she offers always brings people down to hell. It destroys their lives. It removes their vigor, their vitality, their value, their their virtue. And it, it destroys their lives. Mm. And it gives what they worked hard for to others. Mm-hmm. And she comes with her flattering lips, her beguiling beauty, and her enticing touch. And once she touches you, it's over with. Game, game, game over. And then when you get to chapter 9, well, chapter 8, wow, when we get to chapter 8, Molly, when I was studying this, when I finished chapter 7, I felt like throwing up because mm-hmm. it's so dark and so depressing. It's just constant, you know, she's trying to destroy your soul. And that's all you get. Chapter 6 and 7 you know, it's adultery, fornication, and this constant temptation, and you're tired of it, you know? Mm-hmm. But when you get to chapter 8, wisdom says, time out. 
take a breath. Wisdom teaches the entire lesson in chapter 8, and it is absolutely gorgeous. She talks about the time that she was there in creation, creating the heavens and the earth. Now, of course, mm-hmm. we're not going to get into a debate right now about who is wisdom. Mm-hmm. She claims to be the creator. She claims to be the, she claims to be, guess what? Uh-huh. The first begotten. That's crazy. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay, so so uh, that's chapter 8. And then chapter 9 is the, it all breaks loose. This, the epic battle between wisdom and folly. And wisdom builds her house. She sets her table. She kills her beast, mixes her wine, bakes her bread. And she's coming to deliver to the simple ones and the foolish and the wise. She invites them to come to her table. She does it all. There's nothing that she doesn't do. It's all done for you. All you have to do is come. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same call of Isaiah 55 and Revelation 21. Come, come, come. Mm-hmm. Take. You don't have to bring any money. You don't have to bring anything. You're, you're invited for free. Mm-hmm. Come for free. That's the invitation of salvation. But then right on the heels of what wisdom offers, folly comes right right beside her and says, ah, but I've got some stolen waters. Hmm, taste it. Mm-hmm. I've got some hidden bread. And there's always something appealing to something that is secret. Mm. You know, and that's how she it's entices people. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that uh, brings us all the way back. We're going to start in chapter one. And before we start, I'm going to talk about the cedars of Lebanon. Oh, <laughs> Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> They're not in Proverbs, but uh-huh. Solomon does talk about them. Yeah. And the only reason I'm going to bring this up is because the tallest trees in the world were the cedars of Lebanon. Were? They're not anymore? We don't know. Huh. The only evidence that we have of the cedars, and I'm sure that I'm sure that people can do some study on this. They're, they're probably there today. Um, it's about a three-hour drive from Beirut. Hmm. And uh, if you... Where to go there, there's several places in the mountains of Lebanon that you can find these trees. Um, take a guess at how the, the, the girth of these trees. A uh, hundred s- feet. Circumference of a tree. So, we're pla- so it's from that stained glass window on the other side of the studio there. Mm-hmm. It's about um, 20, 35 feet okay. from there to here. Uh-huh. Okay. So if you were to put your arms around this huge tree... How I'm not that big. wide would you say the tree? That's 35 feet. Yeah. What would you, what would you say? How wide how wide do you think the circumference of this tree would be? A huge. No, I mean what what's your guess on the trees of Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon? How what do you think the girth would be on that? I'm not smart enough for this. No. Oh. The um <laughs> they, they have been measured at 40 feet. Whoa. That is incredible. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been in California to see the redwoods. That's huge. They're nothing compared to this. I mean, I thought those were huge. This is they said they would look up and it seemed like they were going to the heavens. In fact, the tops of the trees when they when these these scholars were there looking at them, mm-hmm. there were snow in the tops of them. It was it was um, in the springtime. It was it, it was warm at the bottom. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's how tall these trees were. These trees are given to us as an example. Of um, of the best that man can give, mm. the cedars of Lebanon. They were looked upon as something royal. They were put, they were helped to build the temple. They were looked at as something beautiful. They do not exceed the magnificence of wisdom, and that's what Proverbs is all about. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, better than the cedars of Lebanon 
If you can get wisdom, it's better than rubies. It's better than all the money in the world. It's better than anything. There's nothing, chapter 8, nothing that can be compared to wisdom. Mm -hmm. And of all the things that our children need, of all the things that we're preparing them for, parents spend all this money to send them to college, all this money to prepare them for life. But what we need is to prepare our children to live a life of wisdom because then they'll be able to fear God and know him intimately and proclaim him passionately and enjoy him infinitely. So chapter one, Proverbs starts off with Molly. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Molly, if I'm writing this, I'm going to say Proverbs of Mark, king of Israel, Mm -hmm. son of David. You're not the king of Israel or the son of David. I know, but I would have written it that first. I would have said I was the king first. Oh, yeah. Established right off the bat. Solomon places himself as son first and then king because he's teaching us something there. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a great king, then you need to be a good son. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. If you want to be a great queen, you need to be a great daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, Proverbs starts with the most important lessons. Mm -hmm. Sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. You know, learn that value. Learn to be submissive. Learn to yield to authority at home. God places us in family so that we can learn those lessons. Mm -hmm. If we can't learn those lessons at home, then you'll not be able to You'll not be able to learn those lessons in the real world, in the business world, nor will you be able to learn those lessons with God. Mm -hmm. You can't yield to your parents. You'll not be willing to yield to God most likely. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday about like family being our first ministry. Mm -hmm. Yes. What did you say about – was it Jonathan Edwards? Uh, Noah Sanders. Noah Sanders. What were you saying about Uh, him? Our horticulture teacher, uh, he was teaching a class on farming, and I remember he was saying – like, God called me to be a farmer, and if I woke up tomorrow and God called me to be something else, it could be anything, like a yo-yo maker or whatever, then that would be my calling from God. But as soon as I became a father and had kids, I had Noah Sanders stamped on their foreheads. He's like, that's my assignment directly from God, and so I know that you know, that's always going to be my first ministry. And I thought that was really profound because mm. often we place so much value on a calling, and I am a writer, I am a whatever, but... You know, that could change if God calls you to be a missionary or to work at a farm or whatever it might be. But your family will always be your ministry, Hmm. whether you're a parent or a sister or a father or whatever. So that's excellent. Um, And that is so true. And I don't think we ever stop being. Which is kind of beautiful in conjunction with Proverbs, because if he starts off, which he does as a son of David, these are all the lessons for his son. And now future generations, everyone ha- can like derive wisdom and mm. content and beauty from this, from his ministry to his son. And I think mm-hmm. that's huge. Like when we pour into the lives of you know our family or whatever, it will have future impacts forever. Mm. You know, and, and maybe not to this extent where your bedtime stories will be written down and passed along, but... Um, it's huge, the impact that you can have on someone's life. You know, it's interesting, the uh, the book we just printed uh, last year and then the drama that we just did, King Jack, mm-hmm. you know, he had to learn those lessons from his dad, mm-hmm. um, very important lessons that he brought with him to the to the uh, school that he was going to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, his dad was dealing with dealing with him concerning his mm-hmm. uh, pride and his anger. Mm-hmm. And what did he teach him? Jack, it's greater if you can control your own spirit, then... Yeah, better to... As someone who controls your temper, it's, it's better than being a hero who captures a city. city. That was also taken from Proverbs. 
Yeah. And what did what does Cyril say in the middle of that drama? Oh, he said, "Stick to the truth and bide your time." time. Yeah. Learning when, patience when things get frustrating and you want to stick up for the truth. He yeah. Said, just, and just, so, just you know, a little bit of a commercial there. If you have not read that book to your children, it is a must read mm-hmm. or a must listen to. Coming out in just a c- yeah. couple weeks here. Yay. Um, King Jack in audio audio form. Uh, fun fact, when we were outlining King Jack, the Proverbs lessons are all in the in the book, the first six yeah. or seven lessons. And it's not like notated, th- these are the Bible verses or anything, but the whole principle is living out, um, which, you know, you'll talk about what those are, but those are all in, in King Jack. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, the word proverb is an important word. And what's interesting about the word of God is that it's you can miss things so quickly and so easily. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So we already talked, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes about the importance of sonship, you know. Uh-huh. But you can't miss the word proverbs. It's the word mashal in Hebrew. Mashal. mashal. It mashal. appears first in Genesis. Mm-hmm. The sun ruled the day and the moon ruled the night. It's the oh, word cool. for rule. These proverbs are not just short, pithy statements. These proverbs are the words that God is giving us to rule our lives. Mm. Th- these, these proverbs are so important. Proverbs is a part of the five-book collection called the Wisdom Collection, mm-hmm. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And if you look closely at them, and we're not going to get into it in detail, but if you look closely at them, Job starts off with the fear of Elohim. Does Job fear God for anything? Mm. The fear of Elohim. Ecclesiastes, the fourth book, ends with fear Elohim and keep his commandments. Mm -hmm. In the middle, you've got Psalms and Proverbs, and those both begin and end with the fear of Yahweh. Mm. So you've got this beautiful framing device of the fear of Elohim on both ends and the fear of Yahweh in between with Psalms and Proverbs. Mm-hmm. It's a gorgeous framing device. And that reflects Genesis 1 and 2 where Genesis starts off with Yah- or Elohim creates the heavens and the earth. Chapter 2, Yahweh creates the heavens and the earth. Why does he do this? Because Elohim is referencing God's majesty and power. He creates the, the, the universe with a, you know, the word of his mouth. He's powerful. But in chapter 2, he walks and talks with his creation. He's Yahweh. He's relational. So you've got the powerful God in chapter 1 of Genesis and the relational God in chapter 2. And what God does with the wisdom books is the exact same thing. The two books that are ethereal and difficult and mysterious, you've got Job and Ecclesiastes, the books that are so deep and dark you can't understand them easily. And he says, that's the, that's the fear of Elohim. Mm-hmm. But the relational books, the Psalms, the lament, the praise, you know, the, the, the ones that answer the deep questions of the heart, the Psalms, and then the Proverbs, the ones that tell you how to live, these relational books deal with the fear of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. But then you've got the fifth book that doesn't have the word fear in it at all, the fear of Yahweh or the fear of Elohim, mm-hmm. but it begins and ends with, guess what? Mm-hmm. Love on oh, both wow. ends with 40 more times the word love occurring. In order to understand the love of God, you got to first understand the fear of God, mm-hmm. the fear of Yahweh. Once you get that and understand what the fear of Elohim and Yahweh is all about, then you can be understand what the love of God is all about. Okay, so here we got here. Here we go. Proverbs starts with 
this idea of these are the words that are going to rule our lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, kids got to get that into their their soul and their mind and their heart. You know mm-hmm. that these words are so important; they will rule our lives. In, the, in these first nine chapters, they're not these. It's a story. Each section, which mm-hmm. starts off with "My son," is a story. Mm-hmm. It's the story of the unfolding of wisdom. What he does here in this introduction is he presents three of the most important words in the universe, and they are to know wisdom and correction. Well, it says instruction, but I'm going to talk about that word instruction. So knowledge, wisdom, correction starts Mm -hmm. off with that way. And then you get to the very end, fools despise wisdom and correction. Mm. Okay. And so what happens here in Proverbs is it is it is framed with these three words, knowledge, wisdom, correction, and at the bottom, knowledge, wisdom, correction. Oh, cool. In the middle, you have two more framing devices, Mm -hmm. the words of the wise and the words of discernment. Mm. That's what this is all about. This book is about knowledge, wisdom, and correction, Mm. and the words of the wise and the words of discernment, to discern between good and evil. And then in the center of these this beautiful framing device. Now, folks, I hope you can get a picture of this. Pretend I'm, you're, you're with me and you're watching me write this on a board. I'm writing down on the top. It, this is what it says in verse, um, verse 2 of Proverbs. It says, to know wisdom and instruction. And the word for instruction, musar, is this word better understood for, is in correction. To instruct somebody is to instruct them to know how to live a certain way. For example, if I gave you the instructions of how to put a swing set together and you weren't following the instructions, um, then I came and I said, here, follow these. And I was, now I'm going to correct you. I'm going to correct the way you're doing this. And that's what these, these instructions are. They're corrections. Mm-hmm. And God brings all kinds of corrections in our lives. He brings people to correct us. He brings a book to correct us. Mm-hmm. He brings a situation to correct us. Um, he who God loves, he chastens. Ooh, yeah. And that shows that we are his children. Mm, because whom a man that does not receive chastening mm-hmm. is illegitimate. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. so correction is so important. So the, to know wisdom and correction, to perceive the words of understanding or discernment. So that's how it, it's framed. That's verse 2. And then if you go down to verse... Um, seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and correction. So you've got it again. Knowledge, wisdom, correction. And just above that, you've got the words of the wise. Mm. Do you see it? Mm-hmm. That's um, verse six, words of the wise. So words of the wise, knowledge, wisdom, correction. Up in the top, words of discernment. And you've got knowledge, wisdom, correction. So picture me writing on this on a board. I'm writing the word knowledge. There it is. Underneath that, the word wisdom. Underneath that, the word correction. Underneath that, words of discernment. Mm. Now down at the very bottom, I'm going to leave a space in the middle. I've got the same thing, only this time I've got words of the wise, knowledge, wisdom, correction. Mm. That leaves a space in the center. In the center, there are four people. And we're going to just set this up today. We're going to work on it again in the next mm-hmm. the next um, broadcast. In the center are four <clears throat> types of people. Mm-hmm. The simple, the youthful, knowledgeable ones, the wise, 
and the understanding or the discerning. Mm. Four people, simple, knowledgeable youth, wise, and discerning. I think a, a big key to the whole section was something you mentioned in the beginning uh, between wisdom and folly. So you're going to have two influencers in life always. There'll mm-hmm. be wisdom, and she's very recognizable. She's beautiful, and she's. it says that she's, like, crying from the rooftops. And you've got folly with that little, like, secretive sort of air to her. And she's, she's beautiful, too. She's also very enticing, yeah. And so you've got these two characters that you're going to see in this section, and then you get to make the decision who you're going to listen to. And those decisions that you make, those small accumulated decisions, will shape your character. And become one of these four yeah. people. And there's yeah. two more that are going to be added. Uh, let me just introduce them now. Uh-huh. So in verse 22 and 23, it says, How long, you simple ones, will you remain simple? How mm-hmm. long, you fools, will you hate knowledge? And how long will you mockers delight in your mocking? Mm-hmm. She introduces two more people. And so these are the six people that are introduced in um, in Proverbs chapter 1 in the introduction, verses 1 through 7, mm-hmm. or 1 through 22. And they are the simple, the youthful, knowledgeable, the knowledgeable youth, the wise, the discerning, the fools, and the mockers. Mm-hmm. Six people. Depending on how well you will allow these words to rule your life and pass these 12 tests of wisdom mm. will determine which one of these six people you will become. Mm-hmm. So, Molly, I'm excited. Me um, too. As we share this with our listening audience, mm-hmm. um, I think this is some of the most important teaching for parents, uh-huh. for teens, for young adults, because this will determine who they're going to become. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to um, to more of Fasten Like Nails in this particular um, broadcast. Mm-hmm of um, knowing God intimately, proclaiming Him passionately, and enjoying Him infinitely in the study of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 1 through 9. And we'll look forward to doing this again. Hopefully, God's words of delight, truth, and wisdom will be fastened like nails in your life today. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit fastenedlikenails.net and fill out the form. That's fastenedlikenails.net. What if you could learn from the creative minds and talents behind Lamplighter Theater? I've never seen anything like it. This summer, Lamplighter presents The Lamplighter Guild. A week of mentoring and apprenticeship in the dramatic arts. Learn script writing, music composition, sound design, directing, and voice acting from world-class professionals. Registration for the Lamplighter Guild is limited, so sign up today at lamplighter.net, lamplighter.net.